Hey guys, and welcome to episode 12 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. Hey guys, welcome to episode 12 of Revive Yourself with Ryan Martin. This is going to be a great episode. I don't actually want to keep you too long on the intro. So today I'm talking to Terry Tillard all about cancer and we get straight into it. I don't want you to have to wait around uh, too long. So here we go. Here it is. And as always, enjoy. Today's episode is what well, I've already already know. I think it's going to be an instant classic. It's with Terry Tillard, and he's from upstate New York, and he has his own website at www.terrytillard.com, and he's been helping people in the with well, natural health well for fifteen years, and he also has been going around the United States and the rest of the world talking recently. Um, about cancer well he's been dealing with it for quite quite a while now but it's something that he's very very passionate on and i just want to say welcome to the show terry how are you today i'm doing great ryan thank you so much for having me sincerely i uh, i really appreciate you reaching out it's great to uh, speak to the people over in the uk on the other side of the pond i will uh, maybe try and slow it down a little bit so they can catch my english accent um yeah so i'm, I'm from canada originally and like you said i've been speaking across north america cancer's a uh, a subject that's been near and dear to me, so I'm I'm hope, hoping I can share a few insights today. But I'll uh, I'll send it back to you. Yeah, no worries. It's uh, well, in America or or the UK, our medical systems are pretty similar. Um, in t- well, maybe not. We've got national. We've got a, a the NHS, so we've got a national national health service. But in terms of the way they deal with and treat diseases, our uh, systems are very similar. So. Whether you're from America or not, it's really interesting to hear about your take on on uh, natural health and especially the topic we're going to be covering today, cancer. Especially, it's a very controversial topic. One in two, one in three people in the world are getting it now. It's gone from I think one in sixty in the 1940s. It was. I don't. I think it might have even been less than that. Um, so just just wondering first of all, Terry, what why did well, your I know I've, I've done uh, listened to your videos and um, read quite a lot stuff you've written but um your journey into the health world was about getting an edge in performance was that correct from when you played hockey yeah when i played hockey that was what started my interest in health in general and of course i you know i took all the classes in high school i thought i knew everything about health i mean i knew about the food pyramid i knew about fats and carbohydrates and proteins and that was about all you needed to know if you listened to the textbooks in school and uh, so i was trying to get an edge we had a trainer and you know they taught us what i thought was true about nutrition which of course wasn't then i read a book from anthony robbins which wasn't about health but he he had several chapters on health in there because he's all about peak performance and everything he said in that book and those chapters had completely destroyed everything that i thought I knew about health. And uh, so, of course, I didn't think that he would stake his reputation on that without being accurate. And his, his research that he provided in the book 
did seem very accurate. But I decided, you know what, I, I bought blindly what I was taught the first time. Maybe this time I won't buy blindly what, what Anthony was teaching either. So I researched what Tony Robbins was saying in the book, and it turns out, of course, he was right. And I realized that some of the lies they were telling us were enormous, and it seemed like everybody was in on them. I mean, you know, the doctors, the nurses, the textbooks, the teachers, they would tell you that, you know, meat and dairy are good for you, that you know, grains are good for you and that you need to eat a balanced diet according to the food pyramid when nothing could be further from the truth. And and that not only set me off on health, but that changed many aspects of my life because that put me on a quest for the truth. I wanted to know the absolute truth on everything. And I was willing, unlike most people in our society, to unattach all my emotional connections to everything. And I just wanted to know the objective truth. And I didn't care where that led me. I had to know. And I knew if they were telling a lie that big, that there were a lot of other lies they were telling us. And so there are, you know, we're of course lied to about just about everything in our lives. And that's a sad reality for people to encounter at some point in time in life, but it's the truth. And so of course, when I found out they lied about health, I found out they lied about cancer. And as you can imagine, I'm sure you went through the same journey. When I first discovered this, I was trying to tell friends and family you know, how we'd been lied to and how everything was wrong and how they were surely lying to us about this. And uh, cancer, of course, was one of those subjects. And the family <laughs> was not hearing very much of that. Uh, they fought it hard um, in the beginning. Eventually, I started putting some cracks in their armor and they started to open their mind to some things. What happened then was, uh, just to tie it into cancer, was two uncles got cancer around the same time. One was a Marian on one side of the family. One was my father's brother. And, uh, you know, one of them really wanted to live. One of them probably not so much, as we often see with cancer. And the one uncle that wanted to live was the Marian, and he didn't know me that well. We'd had a relationship for, yeah, I don't know, probably a couple of years prior. And he pulled me aside and he said, listen, I know the stuff you've been trying to tell the family about health is actually true and right. And I know that chemo, radiation, and surgery is not the right thing for me. I know that. He said, however, you know, your aunt wants me to stick around. I've got children. Everyone's in a panic. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to do just a few rounds of chemotherapy to get this cancer under control. And he said, and then after that, I, I would really like to do a lot of the things that you're teaching. And he said, so I wanted to ask you this question. What would you do if you had cancer personally? Who would you go and see? He said, you know, what, what do you do? Do you just eat, eat better and, and, and wing it and hope and pray? And I said, wow, that, that question really hit me hard. It really did. Even though I wasn't close to the man, I, you know, I, know, I recognize that my aunt was happy for the first time in her life, and he was faced with the decision. He's one of the rare few that could see that the doctors were wrong, and I couldn't give him an answer. I had no idea where to send him. I grew up in a small town in Canada. I'd never heard of a naturopathic doctor. Uh, the internet wasn't really uh, popular. I had no idea who to send them to. There weren't uh, any cancer guidance systems out there, of course. i just never come across any of it. And what hit me smack in the forehead was, what happens if this conversation is with my father next year? What happens if this conversation is with my mother five years from now? What will my answer be to her? She know I know that the doctors are wrong. I can't watch my parents suffer. I can't watch my siblings or anyone else that I care about just go and suffer when I know the hospital's wrong. And I would happily challenge the doctor, but I didn't know what they should do or could do. And and I decided there's got to be experts somewhere. 
And when I started looking for experts, something hit me in the forehead and said, maybe I need to become one of those experts because there aren't very many. And if it ever comes to my family, I won't know who to turn to or who to send them to. And they won't listen to me unless I become a real expert. And uh, so that's that's kind of my story. And I hope I didn't go too long with that. But that that's how I got really passionate about cancer, seeing that they're lying to us. And in this case, unlike the other diseases, this is terminal. This is fatal. This is the end point. Diabetes is inconvenient. <laughs> Cancer was the end of someone's life. And uh, if there was something I could do about it, I decided I, I needed to. So I'll, I'll stop there. I apologize. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. I mean, uh, I feel like me and you could talk all day. Um, so <laughs> this is um, that's brilliant. I was just going to say that why I, my next question was going to be about your why you got into it. And you've answered it already, which is, which is fine. Um it's it's such uh when you said that about becoming your own expert um people do love they 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 look at doctors as rock stars and because they either did a medical degree if they knew i mean i'm getting off topic i've got all the questions like that but we're just gonna go off because like if if it was so good and what you talk you guys talk about natural health world was really worked then surely the doctors would know about it and then you start when you start explaining to them why they don't know about it they think that you're conspiracy theorists in a nutcase um True. Have you experienced that? Oh, absolutely. I've experienced it, you know, thousands of times, and and I understand that. What I wish for everybody listening to this, I wish they would take the time to actually go and study the med school curriculum. They don't need to become a medical doctor. They don't need to buy all the textbooks. There's a there's a great gentleman. I wish I could remember his name. He has a YouTube video. He he looked at vaccines in particular, and he went through all of the all of the pages of the textbook. I, I think it was something like I don't know four thousand pages. So let's suppose it was 4,000 pages. He wanted to see how many times vaccines were actually talked about, and then he reviewed what was taught to the students within those few pages. <laughs> and it was only a few pages out of the entire 4,000. And it was the identical propaganda line that we get from Channel 6 News. You know, it wasn't, there wasn't any education on it. They didn't go over the vaccine ingredients. They didn't go over any of the research. They didn't go over any of the pros and cons. They didn't teach them any of that. They just didn't. And what people need to understand about the med school curriculum and the world that they're in is they follow what's called the standard of care. And that that makes it easy for well-intentioned, nice doctors. I'm personal friends with a few. We had one over at our house last night. He's a, he's a fantastic friend, a wonderful human being. But the truth is they make a great income. Even once they see the truth, they can't replace the income. They're not allowed to teach things that are not FDA approved. Mm. The only things that are FDA approved are poison, and they can't replace the income. They can't get out of it. They've, they've got student debts for many years in the early stages, and then eventually they have this wonderful lifestyle they can't replace. Mm -hmm. And they've got no training on anything else. They don't study nutrition at all. One doctor that graduated out of the University of Ottawa said he learned more about nutrition on the back of a postage stamp than you could learn in med school. And so it's not, you know, and, and it's funny because, you know, my personal friends who are medical doctors, you know, when I talk to them about these things, they don't know any, any of it at all. Sure. They've never heard of any of the herbs or oils. They don't know anything about nutrition. If you walk down the produce aisle with them, literally, they couldn't identify 50% of the produce aisle. They don't even know what the fruits and vegetables are. And that's not an insult to them. They're nice guys. It's just it was totally not in their training, and they follow what's called the standard of care. Mm -hmm. 
And, and that standard of care plus the system is designed for them to get you in and out of the office. That's where it's – whether you have a socialized system of medicine in the UK, just like we do in Canada, or whether you're in the US where I currently live now, I've seen both sides of it. The system is the same. People are hypnotized by the fact that in, the, in, a, in an organized system of medicine like the UK or in Canada, that because they don't pay cash out of pocket – that the system isn't designed for them to still move you in and out. The system's designed to move you in and out. They must follow the standard of care or insurance will not pay and reimburse them. And they are paid for every visit, every surgery, every prescription, every, every person they see. They're just paid by the state instead of you, which is still paid by you, of course, because yeah. the, the government doesn't create anything. The government doesn't manufacture anything. They, they, they pay the doctors with the stolen tax dollars. So um, – People just – that disconnect in the system somehow breaks up their logic of not being able to see these things. So um, anyway, with that, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pause there. No, it's just it's, – I mean it's, it's just – it's just hard because once you start, you said it's like the, the Matrix when he says uh, here's the red pill and the blue pill. But if you take this pill, there's no turning back. And once you – you can't unlearn stuff and, and once you go into it, for someone like myself, health coach and you, it's it's hard to – it's hard to not get passionate about it sometimes because it's like you see all these people getting ill and you know you can help them and you know there's another way and and you're just like oh, it just becomes like you, as you said you don't want to get connected to, to things too much but it's just like well why why how is this not more common knowledge and for example there's that the truth about cancer that's been out there now but if if that was I mean, to me, it's the same as like these algorithms on different different sites. I think a lot of this stuff is still kept below the surface because it's going to cost them so much money if, it, if the truth does come out. And uh, when people like yourself talk and you've done all the research, they can't deny it. But what they can do is they can um, reduce the form that you can speak on. And then you can get people like the FDA, for example, telling you things that you can and cannot do. But the stats for, for I'm, I'm going to talk about your program later, but I'm guessing the stats for your program um, far outweigh the stats for chemotherapy and radiation in terms of healing people. Would I have you right with that? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they outpace it wildly. But even if I disconnected myself from the equation, what we find when I first embarked on this journey is studying historical success rates mm -hmm. for cancer programs and i hate the word alternative because it's not yeah. it's really it's not it's not an alternative i mean healing has been around since the dawn of time when you fall and you and you and you scrape your knee your body heals it you don't have to do anything you don't need a doctor your body innately knows how to heal itself that's all it does it's 24 7 trying to heal itself we are the ones in the way mm -hmm. i mean when an animal is sick in nature they fast. Oh, Humans I've said that. Uh, take sorry, notes. <laughs> I've said that so many times to people. I don't think because what you said earlier about I'm watching one of your videos and you're talking about how uh, it's like certification rather than education and experience. And I've said that so many people. They're like, yeah, but my stomach. I do a lot of people got gut issues and skin issues. So you just need to to relax. You just need to take a step back. So if an animal gets ill, they just fast. What you just said there, you've hit the nail straight on the head. <laughs> you've only been talking 40 minutes. I think it's phenomenal what you've just said there. Um, and, and it, just, 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 just for the audience, because I talk about this with my clients, etc. Just talk, can you just tell us a little bit about why, um, the allopathic system come, come into play and what was actually in place before that happened? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, here's here's what happened. Natural medicine was doing well, of course, for a long time. Uh, you know, in the early 20s, uh, I think it was in the 20s when they did it. What happened was you had all these different med schools coming up. You had the the ones that were re- recommending chemicals, and you had the chiropractors, and you had the homeopaths, and you had all these different things. And uh, the system was largely unregulated, which you know has pros and has cons. Um, and what happened was a lot of the med schools had low standards, so people could graduate and become a doctor of XYZ very easily. And uh, so there was a lot of competition for the patent-driven medical system. It's patent-driven. Let's call it exactly what it is. Well, you know, the, the people who, who want to control other people recognize that sick and tired people are much easier to control than really healthy and vibrant people. Uh, the, the people who are poor and dependent are much easier to control than the financially independent. So what they did was they own all of the textbooks. They also had financial shares in the oil companies. They had financial shares in the publishing. They had financial shares in, in patented medicine. So what they did was they would go and fund these really big medical schools. You know, with the wink, wink, you're about to go out of business because there was a bit, a lot of competition. They were all struggling. And every med school that you see today was one of the companies that accepted their agreement. And the agreement went like this very simply was we'll give you $10 million in exchange. We have some of our people sit on the board of directors of your school and you need to use our textbooks. We're going to control the curriculum if you accept our funding. We've, we see this in modern day times. It's the same old handshake. It's been going on for thousands of years. They accept that. And then the, the textbooks are controlled now by so the, the doctors learn what they want them to learn. But that shouldn't be a stretch. I mean, if you went to business school, there is not a chance on the planet, no matter which international finance course, no matter which banking course you took, you are not going to learn the truth about the central banking system of the world. They do not tell you about the central bank. So it's a, you can graduate with a master's degree or a PhD in business and graduate never knowing those very simple fundamentals that actually govern the entire world. You barely even learn about currencies. You can learn about currency trading, but you're not going to learn about the, er- the origins of currency or where it came from. They don't want you to know that. Anyone who graduates, whether you be a lawyer, an accountant, a business person, or a doctor, your job is to be a guardian of the system. Your job is to protect status quo, whether you know it or not. That's precisely what you're there for, and that's exactly how the education system is designed to make sure you do precisely that. And people don't realize that the role that they're playing, because we get caught up in everyday living. I mean, it's called being human. So, um, so that, that's that's really how it came about. The Rockefellers took over all of that stuff. It was, uh, you know, it, it was guised under a philanthropy program, but it was a takeover. So yeah, I mean, and you're talking about that. I mean, you're talking about earlier as well about it's very hard. You got your friends who are doctors, etc. And and when people have gone through that system and then their livelihoods to depend on it, it's very hard to come out of it, right? I'm, I'm interviewing Jessica Petros on. Um, on Wednesday and she's an MD and she went through the system and she kept on seeing that she was on that. I think she said she was on like 400,000 a year, maybe more. Um, and she kept on seeing all these people dying from the the stuff that they were doing the the care they were given. And she was like, I can't do this anymore. So she went away and she actually, uh, started to study, uh, natural health and she looked into Gerson and then, then she was like, ah, she, and she started like realizing maybe this isn't the way and she started <laughs> contradicting doctors and writing different things on the medical charts and it led to her sort of leaving and going down the natural health route which she's done now but she said 
I mean, I can understand why people are on 400, 500 grand a year from prescribing chemotherapy, radiation, etc. And now I'm on a fourth of that. And, you know, when people's paychecks are tied to the things they learn in college and, and from the, the Rockefellers and it's been passed down. I mean, it, it takes a, a brave person to go, get, to go against that and to not take the money, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, I give you a few great anecdotes on that. You know, one of my friends says MD stands for mucho dinero and <laughs> and 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 400,000 is pretty standard. That's about what my some of my friends make. I know that uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all of them. I'm not going to speak about them individually, but I know that that's that's not outside of the realm of possibility in their world. And uh, and ND stands for no dinero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the truth is like something like 60% of people who graduate as naturopathic doctors never actually go on to open a successful clinic. So, so it because they're going against the grain. There's a huge challenge there, and you've got to accept a lot of public scrutiny. You've got to give up the cushy, easy, comfortable lifestyle. Um, and so you know, there, there are a lot of problems in that. So walking away is not easy. And I'll give you a couple of stories. You know, one of my friends, uh, you know, I was talking to him about it and he said, I'm starting to see the truth. But, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm five, 10 years at best from retirement. What can I you know, what can I do about it? All I can do is be a good guy point to the nutrition charts on the wall, try and talk people into healthier living. But at the end of the day, he said, our society's so conditioned, they're actually begging for the pills. They're demanding them. He said at this point, like even if I didn't want to give it to them, they I came in, they come in, I point to the nutrition, they say give me the pill. He said I write the damn paper. It makes life easy. Another example, uh, there, was a, there was a Canadian doctor who, who had the distribution license for this uh, supplement that I wanted a bunch of years ago. And I had called the office and I said, listen, I'm about to leave town. I want to leave town with this supplement in tow in case we get sick on the road. This is one of my mitigating factors I want to take with me. Can I come and pick it up today? Um, and he said, well, I'm, you know, I, no, I can't really do that. Let me mail it to you. It'll only be a couple of days. I said, well, I don't have a couple of days. I'll meet you anywhere in the vicinity. I was living in Toronto at the time. I'll meet you anywhere in the city. And he said, okay. He said, I'm actually working at this XYZ walk-in clinic. Why don't you come and meet me? Ask for me by my first name at the desk. Tell them you're a personal friend and you're just here to, to drop something off. They'll pull me aside so you don't get stuck in the waiting line. And, uh, you know, if you can bring cash, I'll give you the stuff. I said, great. So when I got there, I was just, I was floored, right? And I, I couldn't believe that this guy knew the truth about this supplement and then would still work in a walk-in clinic. I had to ask him, even though I didn't know him, it was pretty bold, I suppose. And I said, listen, man, how can you possibly understand this vitamin C stuff and, and all these other supplements and, and nature and come here and give people poison <laughs> at the same time. And he said, you're right. I'm embarrassed to be here. I'm not proud of it. The truth is I can't replace my income. This supplement that we're here to talk about today is my plan to replace that income. He said, don't get me wrong. A lot of my friends uh, now see the problem that poison doesn't heal people ever in any case. But they have no way to get out. <laughs> and he said, this is my plan to get out. He said, but a lot of my coworkers and friends, they don't know how to get out. And so here we are. I was like, oh, wow, I got it. So some of the honest doctors finally see that with all their great intentions, you cannot heal with poison. You cannot heal with poison. And you cannot heal with poison. And that fact never, ever changes. But they, they're stuck in the system. They can't get out. And who, you know, in and, and some ways, 
who are we to blame them? Most people on this call, myself included, have had financial hard times. It would not be easy for any human to walk away from an easy 400000 or whatever that number is oh, yeah. coming in and try and replace it or go back to what they may perceive as, as poverty because they have no idea how to generate an income otherwise. Mm-hmm. That's not easy. So who are we to judge them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, hundred percent. I, I agree. It's just when it comes to the point of like the moral compass, it's just, I, I hundred. It's not for me. Yeah, yeah. It's not for me. Yeah, it's not for me. But I, I do. I get hundred percent what you say. Like when you're saying people, I mean, especially in America, you've got ad, ads over there on TV. I mean, my girlfriend's uh, said to you before. My girlfriend's dad. He lives in uh, Scarsdale, and we go over there at Christmas. And uh, every two seconds, there's an advert on TV pushing a pill or something over there. So I know. These people going to the doctors have probably already seen the pill they want. It is programming, hundred percent. And the other thing is, people want to live the lifestyle they're living and just take a pill and get rid of their symptom, rather than actually understanding that that's not going to get rid of the root cause and there's going to be problems down the line. But it's just people wanting to take the easy choice because we're in a society that wants instant gratification. Uh, in my opinion, I, you probably agree with that. Uh, Absolutely. So, as you just said there. So it moves nicely on to the cut, poison, burn. So surgery, uh, chemotherapy, and radiation. You just said you can never heal with poison. You can never heal with poison. You can never heal with poison. So someone will say, well, you know, my my nan or my mum had uh, chemotherapy and radiation, and she's still here, um, and so it's, it cured her. What would you say to that? Well, I mean, a lot of people would use the same example and say, well, George Burns lived to 102. Well, he did live. He lived in spite of smoking on into, uh, you know, beyond the age of 100. He didn't live over 100 because of the smoking. No rational person would honestly believe that. Uh, most people say, well, a lot of alcoholics die young. Well, and I know an alcoholic who, who lived, a, you know, to the ripe age of 90. Well, he did live in spite of poisoning himself. Till the age of 90, not because of the tequila shots he was doing. No rational, reasonable person would believe that. Mm-hmm. So why would we believe it in any other context? I, people have such a hard time hearing this, so much so that I rarely state it. I usually reframe it rather than stating it like this today, but I feel inclined to say it this way today. And no human in the history of the planet has ever got well from chemo, radiation, and surgery. We, you, you cannot improve your health with mustard gas. You know, when you go and get an x-ray for a broken bone, the radiation technician goes to hide. Do you think they know something you don't? Now we're going to suggest that somebody got well and improved their health by getting thousands of doses of the chest chest x-ray. That's insanity. (laughs) The idea that you cannot improve your health by getting stabbed at the bank machine but you can improve your health by getting stabbed in a special building after they drug you one thread from death which is what anesthesiology is is absurd <laughs> anesthesiology makes your every system in your body shut down within seconds that's how extreme the poisoning is and we're going to wake up and be perfectly fine the idea that a woman can lead an uncanny an unbelievably unhealthy lifestyle walk into the hospital with a breast tumor go in and get stabbed and get a lump or a bump cut out of her and go home and by medical definition be cancer free in the same day 
is complete insanity. Our society has lost their mind. And one of the reasons for it, as you pointed out, is willful ignorance. It's not that the information isn't out there for anyone committed to finding it. It's that they willfully don't want to see it. They would rather believe in unicorns of the mythology that there's one pill you can take and you can abuse yourself all you'd like and still somehow get healthy by taking a magic pill is complete insanity. But let me bring it full circle to, to tie up what I just said would be an extreme claim for most people. For starters, there are many false diagnoses. Secondly, there are a lot of cancers that are very benign. Some of them get reclassified, as thyroid cancer did recently, into technically not being cancer. So for some of those specific cancer diagnoses, the survival time is much longer than we perceive anyway. So that skews our statistics and our perception because we always hear about these outlier stories like George Burns. Because he smoked doesn't mean we should smoke. That's ridiculous. Because some people have survived uh, you know, arsenic and lead poisoning or carbon monoxide poisoning in no shape, way, or form suggests that it's optimal or thriving for us to go and inhale it. Um, and what we find is uh, the Journal of Oncology in 2004 has every incentive in the world to pad the stats, to exaggerate the numbers, to put things in their favor, admitted that their, po their poison system of medicine only created a 2.1% success rate for people to be surviving at the end of five years from listening to them if they got a cancer diagnosis. 2.1%. The placebo effect, taking the sugar pill, is 20%. So the sugar pill is nine times better than taking their poisons, meaning, and in another large study that was done uh, years ago, there was proof that those who avoided chemo, radiation, and surgery lived four times longer than those who took it, <laughs> meaning that those who, who stopped the poisoning of their body instead of going to sign up for more extreme poisons because chemotherapy is mustard gas, the same stuff that we ban from wars. That's where it comes from. So those who avoided that live four times longer than those who took it. That's a, that's a fact. That was published in a, in a big study in 2004 in the Journal of Oncology. They admitted that it doesn't work. 2.1%. You have better odds in Vegas. You have almost better odds at the slot machine than 2.1%. Um, so for anyone to, to sign up for it and lose all of the quality of life, of course, that comes with taking chemo, radiation, and surgery is, uh, is just not a rational thought process. Of course, it's very fear-driven, but it's not it's, – it's not a rational thought process. So there are people alive in spite of taking it. So we all know stories about the ant and the whatever, and some of them were falsely diagnosed. Some of them made very different life decisions. You know, when you get threatened with death, you make some very different life decisions. You stop stressing about the little things, and stress, as we know, is a major contributor. But cancer at the end of the day is something that we do. So some people, when they get the fear of death knocked into them, stop doing cancer. <laughs> so they may have gotten some of the poison, and then they changed some lifestyle habits. They changed some emotional decisions. They got rid of some stress. And now they lived longer despite the hospital poisoning because they made some very different decisions about life. They stopped doing cancer on some level because it is something that we do. So, I mean, we all know those stories, but that doesn't make it a wise idea. Just like we all know people who eat 
large amounts of deep fried dead animals. You know, as George, Car- George Carlin used to make this joke that I love. He said, you know, uh, Americans will eat deep fried raccoon assholes if you put it in front of them. They'll eat anything. Um, in no shape, way or form does that make it a good idea. It's, there's nothing wise about doing that. Um, you know, so people do poison themselves left, right, and center, but it doesn't make it right. And chemo, radiation, and surgery, just because it's common doesn't make it right. Obesity is common. It doesn't make it right. People eat garbage. You can survive on it, but there's a bar- very big difference between survival and thrival. Survival and optimal. Um, you know, we can we can get away with eating some of those foods. It never. It doesn't mean that we should. Um, and, uh, and I think that's the big difference that people need to really own. Yeah. And I'll pause. <laughs> no, that's cool. No, it's, that's, that's 100, 100% agree. And uh, the funny thing is, people, a lot of people don't actually know there's a thing called the 1939 Cancer Act, which means uh, legally doctors, especially in this country, I think it's true of you as well, they can only recommend surgery, radiation, or chemotherapy. That's another th- reason that they can't actually recommend anything else um, because then they can get taken to court and things can happen so uh, it's 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 a it's one where people just need to do their own research and know know the truth and so what as you said there chemotherapy is poison so what is the thinking so whereas we're so we're health coaches right and instead of treating disease like doctors do they look at disease 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 we look at health and regenerating health and we know the body's got innate ability to be healthy um, given the right circumstances you just have to give it those circumstances so what is their thinking around giving someone chemotherapy how is that going to make someone healthy again well, the reason why they do it, like you said, A, legally they must do it or they lose their license and ergo lose that big paycheck and that cushy lifestyle with no hope for replacing it. So that, that that's one of the biggest things people need to understand. The assumption of the general public is honestly, even though it's unspoken, the assumption of the general public is that they, the doctors have studied uh, turmeric and cannabis and ginger and garlic and all these things. And they've also simultaneously studied chemo and radiation and surgery and they've studied all the evidence and in their infinite wisdom they're making this choice based on the evidence because we're told that they practice evidence-based medicine which the evidence says they absolutely do not the evidence says they do the exact opposite i frequently do videos reviewing the evidence on a lot of their practices what they would call Called the standard of care here in the U.S. So when they give someone an osteoporosis drug, I look at what the research actually says on osteoporosis, and it turns out they are not making the evidence-based decision mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. So the first thing people need to understand is that the assumption of the public is completely wrong. They've never heard of ginger and turmeric and, and all these other herbs, especially in relation to cancer. They've never heard that. What they do here is that the chemotherapy is a standard of care, that there's a teams of researchers somewhere in a cloud they just need to trust, and uh, whatever this dose of poison is the dose of poison you give for this specific cancer, and they pull it out of a damn textbook. End of story. Go ask anyone who's got multiple, tried to get multiple opinions from different oncologists about what they should do for their cancer. The answer is the same no matter what. If they do a grease test that says taxol will be better than methotrexate for their cancer, 
the doctor still comes back and says, no, my textbook and our standard of care and our insurance reimbursement is based on me giving you three doses of Taxol. And I don't care what your grease test said that methotrexate will respond better for you. You don't get that. It doesn't matter if you go to the top oncologist or you go to the oncologist the east coast or the west coast it doesn't matter you're getting the same dose of poison for your specific cancer i have some friends who did these five thousand dollar tests to try and pick the right chemo and they were astounded that the doctor would not comply but to take this a step further what what all cancer research is based on and it, it is it's the allopathic mindset that the public has about alternative cancer treatments also which is completely false and completely erroneous and deeply deeply flawed that there's one magic pill so long as you pick the right magic pill, mm -hmm. whether it came from a chemistry lab or whether it came from nature, that's going to cure your cancer. You know, that's completely ridiculous. It's so absurd. Uh, and you may have heard stories about people who cured the perception of the public, cured their cancer with carrot juice. Therefore, carrot juice is a cure for cancer. It's complete hogwash. Uh, that's a failure to define the problem accurately. And of course, like all things in life, if you and I try to tackle an engineering problem, if we can't define the problem accurately, we can't ever get to a solution properly. But the solution in can and chemical-based medicine is that all research in cancer is based on tumor response rates. The tumor is the symptom. The tumor is not the cancer. You have It's a lump and a bump. You have this lump or the bump in your body because of hundreds of other imbalances that pre-existed that lump and bump to, to be there. That lump and bump couldn't be there if you had an optimally functioning immune system. The reason you have that lump or bump is because your immune system did not kill off those malignant cells and they grew to a population in the size of billions of cells that your body has now walled off into a little tumor, uh, you know, an encapsulation, if you will, of a lump and a bump. Now, when they study chemotherapy, chemotherapy kills everything. It's mustard gas. It's like dropping napalm. It's just going to kill all the fauna and the flora and the animals and everything around it, including the soldiers. It it's napalm. It it's, it's mustard gas. So they drop this mustard gas and it kills everything, including the lumps and the bumps. All a chemotherapy drug has to do to be considered a successful chemotherapy drug is get that tumor to respond. So some number of those billions of cells die off, that's considered a successful chemotherapy drug. So if the tumor dies within 28 days and the patient dies on day 30, that's a successful chemotherapy drug. That, that also goes into the logs of a successful chemotherapy treatment. doesn't matter if the patient dies on year five and, and one day after, that's considered a success in the chemotherapy world. Um, but it's all based on tumor response rates. And the tumor is the symptom. It would be like, Ryan, when you and I have the flu and, you know, it's coming out of all ends and our sinuses are super congested and we can't see straight and our nose is running and we can't breathe. And you come to the hospital and I say, oh, don't worry, I'll just cut your nose off and you'll be free of the flu. That is that is the identical equivalent, like somehow cutting off the symptom like the nose running would somehow magically make you. Flu, free of the flu, and people would say, well, hell no, that's not possible. I feel it everywhere. My bones hurt. <laughs> well, chemotherapy is the same thing. It's trying to cut out the lump or bump or poison the lump or bump. Well, somehow make somebody healthy. It's complete insanity. But 
the reason why doctors believe that it works is they are taught to attack, attack, attack. Everything in medicine is about attack, including attack the person, attack the genitals, attack the reproductive system, attack the females. Uh, you can you know, get a preventative double mastectomy to prevent breast cancer. Well, why don't we get preventative, uh, you know, cut our testicles off? Why aren't we cutting our brains off to prevent brain cancer? Of course, that's insanity, uh, but only if you think about it. <laughs> so that's how they arrive at that conclusion. If the lump or bump gets attacked and there's some kind of response in the lump or bump, this must mean that the chemotherapy drug is working and we're doing our job exactly the way we've been programmed to do is the logic of the doctors and the research. That's what they're fed. Um, it responds X, Y, Z timeframe. Yeah. A hundred. And, and it's, it's everyone knows, um, or you think most people know that chemotherapy is that it actually suppresses your immune system massively and your immune system destroys it yeah destroys it it completely destroys it wipes it out same with I mean, sugar destroys it for, for hours as well so chemotherapy completely destroys it and it's the one thing that keeps you healthy so instead of boosting your immune system and allowing it to um, attack these malignant cells and detoxify your system and all the things it does in its miraculous ways they go the other way and they and they try to destroy everything and hope only the good stuff grows back. That's what you're saying. It's exactly it. And you know th this pattern is evident elsewhere. The dermatologist tells you that the sun causes cancer when the exact opposite is true. Actually, and we don't have the time to discuss this. I've got a blog on my website for anyone who wants to see that. <laughs> well, I was going to say I actually one, one of the questions actually about that later on. We'll go into that a little bit later on because yeah, hugely um, that's something that does my head in as well. I was uh, I was in Tenerife. Look, well, a couple of a couple of New Years ago with my friend, and we saw this the dad just putting on Factor Fifty on this young boy, and the young boy was he was like Afro Caribbean, and he was just putting on all this chemical sun lotion. And my my friend's also a health coach, um, and we were just sitting there, and he was going, "Should we say something?" And I was like, "Ah, oh, you can't. <laughs> You're right. You can't." And I was just like, oh. "And it's just a shame, right?" The, 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 it's just the sun's hugely healing. Um, I mean, we're going to, I'll ask you about that later on. We won't get into that right now. Um, so you've mentioned before on a few of your videos, um, that some of the tests that you, you wouldn't have, uh, you said you wouldn't have an MRI, you wouldn't have a CT scan, etc. Why is that? And what would you have instead? Sure. Uh, well, testing is a, is definitely a complex subject, but it's hard to get people to imagine that the hospital, like other things, doesn't have the monopoly on testing. We're, we're programmed in the movies and the television shows and the text. We're programmed since birth to believe that it's cutting edge technology they're using in the hospital, but it's like Stone Age technology. Everything in the hospital when it comes to testing is about measuring disease. It's not about measuring health. And there is a very big difference. But not only are they measuring for disease, they're, they're causing it. Uh, you know, CT scans and PET scans. Some of this stuff can be as high as 1,100 chest x-rays. So we've got a sick person fighting for their life, and they go in and see the doctor in the span of six months, and they get three or four of these. So they get 4,000 chest x-rays for a sick person and expect nothing bad to happen. <laughs> How could we not expect a negative health outcome from that? Um, the MRIs, the contrast dyes that are used in an MRIs can cause instant death. It can cause instant kidney failure. You know, how are we pretending that this is not happening? And then people say, well, you know, the magnetic resonance imaging is a lot safer than the x-rays. Okay, that's fair. 
but I still personally wouldn't do it. If you don't think that humans are affected by magnetism, just ask the astronauts. When the astronauts uh, originally tried to you know, leave the orbit of the Earth without magnetism, they get sick, and when we reintroduce magnetism, they get well. All everything on the planet, you know, is affected by magnetism, electromagnetism. To think that uh, magnetic resonance imaging is not going to have any impact on us is crazy. To think of ultrasounds, well, anyone who has studied cymatics, you can go on YouTube and watch a two-minute cymatics video and watch how all matter, all form and function is changed by sound and by frequency. We're completely impacted by it. Uh, everyone's seen the. Uh, you know, you hit the tuning fork or you play the, the, the instrument at the right frequency and all the glass shatters. Don't tell me that we're not affected by sound, an ultra sound. Oh, these are non-harmonic frequencies. So, of course, we're affected by these things. You know, if we want to take a look at mammograms, well, a thermogram is, is light years more accurate. This is well proven in the science. There isn't a debate in the science about this. A thermogram is safe. You know, the, the adage of first do no harm is something I never want to violate. I take that seriously. So if a thermogram causes no harm, predicts a cancer significantly faster, earlier, safer, more accurately than does a mammogram or any of these other dangerous tests, why are we not doing that? If, um, you know, we can go to the hospital and get the standard blood tests, that would be one of the things that are relatively safe. Um, so... I suppose you could sign off on those things. But what they send it off to the lab to measure is disease-based. I've seen people near terminal come back with, with good blood tests. So it's not telling us anything. What the hospital would never dare do is test what you might be mm, uh, deficient in. You know, much like a car. A car, when it runs out of oil, the engine is going to die. Uh, the body, to use that simple metaphor, has certain parts that when those parts are no longer present, when you run out of those things, you are going to have problems. When you are iodine deficient, you are going to have problems. Would the hospital ever dare measure for iodine? Are you kidding? No way. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, we, I, we go on with lots of examples. There's one last ex example, um, you know. I'll stop there. There are many different ways that you can test outside of the hospital and measure for health. The live blood, let me do one more. The live blood example would be one of them. The live blood is so damn honest, it's so instant, it's so accurate that it never lies. The interpretation of the results is subjective, but the truth about the health of the person and what we, whether you gave it a poisonous substance or a health-promoting substance, the blood will respond. And, and people say, well, why isn't it in a hospital then? It's been around for decades. It's, it's never going to be in a hospital because if you and I did a live blood analysis and the good doctor with his nice smile or her, or her sex appeal and her smile and her, her good bedside manner said, go home and take this poison pill. Sorry about that one. And, and we're going to come back. Sorry. sorry, sorry. sorry, 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 sorry FaceTime face me. Sorry, Stephen. Carry on. Carry on. Okay, and, uh, and, and you go and say, okay, I'm going to come back next week and see how my body's responding to this poison pill. And we did live blood. Well, live blood would ruin the entire, the entire scam of the medical system in one test. It would just be like instantaneous. I'll give, you an ex I'll give you an example. I used to do these live demonstrations and these live seminars, and we'd bring a live blood analyst in. And, uh, and what we found, by the way, was only about 4% of the, of the people in, the, in any given audience were, were healthy. 
Uh, and of course, you can go to the hospital, see your doctor, go for the routine checkup, get your hammer on the knee, grab grab the testicles and cough. Uh, you know, they look in your eye, they look in your ear, you do a blood test, and he tells you you go home healthy. Well, when I test with live blood, the opposite is true. Those people who just had a doctor's appointment, when they come, we come test them properly, we find out that they're definitely not healthy. But what we would also do then is take an unhealthy person, give them a health-promoting substance, one that had a fast reaction time, and then prick their finger again, blow it up under the microscope by 30,000 times magnification, and we would see that that health-promoting substance had a change in their blood that was measurable and everyone could visually see it. Then we would also take someone uh, healthy in the audience out of that 4% and say, okay – your doctor has been telling you, or the media has been telling us our whole lives, that we need to drink milk to be healthy. Let's see what really happens. And then they would drink cow's milk, and then we would go and prick their finger again, and their blood was just hemorrhaging on the microscope. And it was so instantaneous for us to see it. So there's a few examples there where you can go measure for deficiencies via blood or urine out, outside of the hospital, hair mineral analysis tests, thermograms, live blood analysis. Those are just – that's just the tip of the iceberg because all testing is very pros and cons. There's no perfect test in any shape or form. I've got an audio that goes on for more than two hours talking about the pros and cons of lots of different testing options. And the truth is we need multiple tests to get the truth, but none of those tests come from the hospital. And my first criteria is, does it do harm? Because if it does, that, that ends right there. Let's find a test that first does no harm, and, and we'll go from there to get the data to figure out what's really going wrong with your health and uh, with that all possible. <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree. And I think um, listening to, I can't remember who exactly was talking, um, I was just listening to it and it was saying um, about, they, they looked at those cadavers and they found that in the majority, in, the, in I think about 70% or 80% of people had, uh, once they did tests on them, had been exposed or had cancer four to five times throughout their life. But because they didn't know, their immune system just, regenerated dealt with it and went on about things rather than getting tested for things i think tests can once again you get tested for something it comes back you've got cancer it sends your immune system it gives you a right emotional shock right um to the point of as you said it usually has some sort of uh, chemical emotional physical stimulus to, to get you to the point of being ill um and it completely ruins your, or destroys your immune system. Um, so these are things, tests for me are something that can call, unless you, you're feeling great, etc. a lot of the time it, it can, can be, uh, something that I'd, I'd say, I'd, I suggest staying away from because it can just give you, I say, false positives or it'll just cause a problem in your life that you hasn't got one. My nan went in, for example, um, had a test, uh, mammogram, etc. They said, oh, they found, found something they couldn't be sure. Ended up going in. Oh, well, just to be, just to be, just to, just to make certain, just to make everything sure, we'll, we'll do a biopsy. Um, I couldn't be sure of that. They went, well, let's just, let's just give you some radiation instead. This was years ago. Six weeks later, she went, she went in, walked into hospital. Um, six, eight weeks later, she was dead. You know, and it was just like, oh. and it was just, and it's just like from, from, from not, from not, not needing anything. Um, and so I've, we've all, everyone's been through this. That's so why I say testing can be very dangerous. You need, need to know, but therm, we mentioned there, uh, thermograms, some uh, thermographies, like they're, I, I, I suggest them too. Um, and you said people can be deficient in things. So for, for people 
well, this is the other thing. When they when they do the MRI test, right? They what do they what do they inject into people? Sugar substance, yes, yeah? sugar solution. Um, is that, I'm, I'm, that's correct, isn't it? It's a sugar solution. Well, for some of the dyes, they for some of the uh, imaging scans, they use either dyes and sometimes a sugar solution. That's correct. Because the cancer, the sugar solution, the cancer will find the sugar. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, what do they feed people after after chemotherapy, or what do they say to people? Eat what you want, and they give them McDonald's and Jello. Yeah, McDonald's, Jello, ice cream, whatever you want. Yeah, and these are all things that promote cancer. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt, yeah. without a shred of doubt, which is insanity. Yeah. So people, people for going into into these, what what are some of the things that will will promote cancer growth and uh, people are deficient in? What what would people be deficient in, and what what would promote cancer growth in your opinion? Well, let's let's take vitamin D for example, because the science is very strong on vitamin D. Uh, if you have really low vitamin D, which I would loosely call the quarterback of the immune system, uh, your immune system doesn't really work well without some form of coordination. Vitamin D has uh, seems to play that role. But when you are really low in in the sunshine vitamin, your immune system is going to be really deficient. You know, so if they run tests with almost anybody with cancer, what we find out almost anybody with cancer runs a vitamin D test. They're all low. It's almost invariable. It's almost a guarantee. Testing is more like to, to just to get a baseline so we can see where they were and then have something that we can test against <clears throat> down the road to find out if they're absorbing, let's say, vitamin D or getting adequate sunshine and got their levels to a you know, up to a reasonable, suitable level where their immune system can function properly. So if you have low vitamin D, your risk for cancer is, is through the roof. Um, so most definitely when you've got a vitamin D deficiency, you're going to have that problem. You know, we talked about iodine earlier. That's, an, that's another one of those. But what I want people to understand more than anything is that we live in a cause and effect world. Your body requires large amounts of vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients, which are found in fruits and vegetables. Your diet needs to be dominated by fruits and vegetables in the raw, natural, organic, ripe state, the way it was always intended, the way it would have been when humans were around before big agricultural farming was done. Um, and and we get a wide variety of vitamins and minerals if, if uh, and phytochemicals and all these different things found in those foods. And anyone not eating those diets is eventually going to create a deficiency. And if we take a Ferrari, for example, it's got you know thousands of all the best parts. But if I cut the brake line, that Ferrari is useless. If I remove one of the tires, the Ferrari is useless. If I remove the steering wheel, the Ferrari is useless. If I unplug the spark plug, the Ferrari becomes useless. I only have to remove one piece out of thousands on the greatest machine, you know, by some people's definition, but the greatest machine known to man, and it completely breaks down, is completely non-functional with one missing part. Why would humans assume that it, the same thing could not happen in their bodies? Your body requires magnesium to do a wide variety of functions. In the absence of magnesium, there are thousands of chemical reactions that do not happen. So certain normal f bodily functions are not going to work. So you're going to eventually have immune deficiency if you are not getting those things. We're, we're supposed to get them in the food. So for starters, if you're not eating a lot of those foods, you're definitely going to create a wide, broad spectrum of deficiencies. So people need to own that. But uh, things like the sunshine vitamin, which your doctor will tell you causes cancer, is the one of the greatest cancer preventative things that you can do. Uh, no different than, you know, 
let's talk about that on that note. I want to just mention that the health fundamentals like eating the proper diet, like getting sunshine, like rest and low stress, like drinking clean water and well water is not clean water and tap water is not clean water. Breathing clean air, you're either going to be the air filter or you're going to have an air filter. You know, sleep and sleep and rest are irreplaceable. But it doesn't make any sense for humans to sleep on a bed that's poisoning them. You spend one third of your life in it. It doesn't make any sense. It's a violation of the health fundamentals to sleep on an electromagnetic coil, an electromagnetic antenna that is off-gassing fire retardants and arsenic and all these other poisons into your body while you sleep. It doesn't make any sense. But in that, just on that same thread of cause and effect, you can't escape the fundamentals. And a part of the fundamentals of health is having adequate vitamins and minerals, the parts of your car that need to be there or things are not going to work right and you're going to have some very real health problems. So I don't know if I've adequately touched on that, but if I didn't, you know, extend the question. If you want to touch on other things, I'll, I'll pause there and uh, let you guide this. <laughs> no, it's just, we're going to, yeah, I mean, I 100% agree. There's so, so many things. It's, it's, it's the thing. People, I used to be like this before I got into it. The reason I got into it, not just that, is because I was ill myself and I used to be the guy who thinks, oh, you can eat what you want. If you get ill, you just take a pill, right? But it's not just a one thing. This is not magic bullets. It's not that you can just juice and 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 that's going to do it, get rid of your illness, etc. It's a whole lifestyle approach. Um, so it's it's not one magic bullet. There might be a hundred magic bullets. You put them all together, and it's a different lifestyle approach, right? It's not just one thing. Um, so you touched on quite a few things that you said: water, sun, food, etc. But I mean, the other thing, I remember I've seen in one of your videos and you actually go off on one about, <laughs> go off on one, you just wind up, let you go about essential oils and people don't understand how powerful essential oils are. Um, like, I mean, I, I think that you talk about this because your, you, your knowledge on it was, was really good. Um, you're talking about why they work. Um, it's about oxygenating. Um, you go into that a little bit for me. Well, sure. I mean, they, they definitely oxygenate the body and we definitely have cell receptor sites. I mean, without getting into into a long detailed thing, the body has receptor sites. Your body already recognizes nature. Your body already recognizes plants. Your body recognizes fruits and vegetables as optimal species appropriate food sources. Why would we accept that essential oils might not do the same thing? I mean, take some of the food-based ones or some of the traditional herbs. So if basil and oregano are just fine in mama's spaghetti, why are there so many blogs and websites trying to scare you away from oregano oil? <laughs> I mean, it's okay in mama's spaghetti, but it's not going to be okay in oil form. Well, of course it's going to. And you know what we look at when we see the research data and you go and examine the research data is that it has a lot of health promoting properties. And most of them do. Almost all plants do. Not all of them, but a, a huge percentage and majority of them. And these plants that have been passed on and used for thousands of years do that also. I mean, why why wouldn't it? There's a reason why they've been used for thousands of years. The the ancient people of different medicinal cultures were not stupid. They are totally in tune with nature. And so you know, we we could talk about this on, on, on quantum levels, on, on vibrational levels. They all have vibrational frequencies which we respond to as I talked about earlier with cymatics and sound. So these essential oils, you know, just like all the other plant herbs, I mean, an oil is a concentrated herb. It's the easiest way for people to get their head around it. And society's programming would have us believe that herbs are voodoo medicine, except that the research data says the exact 
opposite. There are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of studies proving that plants heal the body. Plants bring the body back into balance. They push the body back into balance. Any substance that increases oxygenation, any substance for which you have cell receptor sites for, any substance that is a harmonic vibrational frequency is going to push the body back into balance. I mean, the oils would be no different, just like any of the other herbs would be. And so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're great medicinal substances. They're highly concentrated. They smell wonderful. If nothing else, someone, <laughs> everyone should be using them at least as a substitution for chemicals. Um, you know, if, you, if people insist on using deodorants or perfumes or colognes, mm-hmm. why would you not use a plant-based oil, something that is non-toxic, to create the exact same? Where do people think that the idea of perfumes and colognes and deodorants and fragrance shampoos and hand soaps originally came from? Mm-hmm. I mean, why not just return to nature? I don't – our society is so disconnected from nature and living a natural life. Like the idea that the sun would cause cancer. Well, why don't we hear about the giraffes and the epidemic of skin cancer? And why don't we hear about the chimpanzees and the crocodiles getting skin cancer? <laughs> like, people, stop Like, stop and think. All species live and die by the sun. So do humans. It's, it's, we are sick because we strayed away from nature and we don't honor nature and we live a very unnatural lifestyle. And that's why people are sick. And if we would just move towards nature in all ways – you know, people would improve their health. Sure, they still need experts at some point in time uh, when their health has gone too far because an expert's going to help them identify what they're, what they're doing wrong and is going to set the record straight on a lot of the myths. But if everyone would just move a little closer to nature and did nothing else, their health would improve, guaranteed. Um, you know, I, that's, that's one of the biggest takeaways I just wish people would, would really honor. We're sick from a deficiency in nature, not a deficiency in poison. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, well, that's what people don't understand as well about the fragrance industry being completely unregulated and it causes a lot of problems, especially nowadays if people get more and more allergic to things. Um, we talk, talked about this a little bit with Dr. Sherry Tempani as well, saying about the hotels in Las Vegas uh, getting sued. And for example, people can't sleep, they get skin rashes. And you've got things like essential oils, but and Tate's quite bravely to come out and, and talk about these things. I was just looking on the website right now, talking about the Cancer Act, and it said uh, in 2014, a guy called Errol Denton was fined £1,000 to each nine offences, which cost him £9,000 something, uh, for claiming that live blood analysis, lifestyle changes, and herbs could cure cancer. <laughs> And it's like, that's why you gotta be, you gotta be careful because as you say, like if we're not on here telling people, uh, obviously you gotta, gotta consult your doctor, etc. Um, but this is just, this is just our opinions. Um, so it's just mad when you look at all the different things. Um, I, th- I think there's a couple of, yeah, we're not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna touch on that actually because I don't, I don't no, know. no, go ahead. No, I was, no I we gonna, can touch on a few things. No, I was gonna say there's a, there's a few doctors and stuff that have gone missing because they've been promoting certain things like cannabis oil and, um, and, uh, apricot kernels and things like that. So it was, it was just, it's just, you do your own research, guys, and just, and just, at the end of the day, it's your body. And I think no, no, t- no bit of paper, no bit of research can tell you more than your body can when it comes to how you're fitting. Um, so I've, I've heard you say before, uh, talking about like how can people just lost sight of it? As you said there, people have lost sight about something natural, like essential oils and they go and they spend 60 pounds on a bottle of perfume from Prada or something. Um, 
and essential oils. You're talking about food grade essential oils, right? Not like rubbish you're going to buy down in your local, well, not your local, because some health shops are good, but in your local commercial health shop. You're talking about food grade essential oils, right? Oh, yeah, they get the highest grade possible. Mm -hmm. Why would people be always trying to cut corners? I don't understand that in our society. Like, I I would not the, – the, the, uh, that industry is run by big brokerage houses, and the distillation techniques, the farming practices, where everything is sourced is is highly corrupted. It's it, You can use chemical extraction very easily. So if you're buying the wrong stuff, you can easily get yourself poisoned. And, and I wanted to touch on one, uh, one other thing. So you you can think uh, and just extend on that. You can think that you're doing the right thing and still end up poisoning yourselves. Make no mistake about that. And the same with trying to get, you know, really cheap herbs. I mean, a lot of them, when you open up the capsule, it's not herbs in it. <laughs> that means there's been studies on that too. So, oh, yeah. but but the other thing I wanted to touch on when you, when you said, you know, this guy who got who got sued the nine thousand pounds, and I feel really bad for them. And and I think that's also a part of the problem. It's not it's not that the that you take an herb that that cures cancer. It's, that's not how it works at all. But your body heals mm -hmm. from it. It's a healing process. It's not about taking an herb that attacks the lump or the bump. It's about the body healing from it, dealing with the fundamental reasons for why it was there in the first place. It's not about taking the right herb or the three magic herbs. And it's not that any of the herbs get rid of the cancer. You actually just supported your body in allowing it to heal from the cancer. It's your immune system that gets rid of it in every single case. Mm -hmm. When I help somebody, it's their body that does the work. I guide them. It's their body that does the work. Yeah. And they've got to do the work in creating that internal environment. That. It's not about a pill that cures anything. No, I love that. He said no doctor or health coach has ever cured anyone. It's the body. It's just giving the people the right guidance and the right path to, to follow, right? It's just... It's, we, we, that's the one thing. We know about how magnificent the body is. It's just trying to get other people to realize that. So when people say, oh, it's like... People say you got high blood pressure, you got to take this pill, and it's like, so your blood pressure is high for a reason. Do you think that this pill knows more than your physiology? It's like, it baffles me. It's like it's it's just it's one of yeah. It just goes on. I, I want to because I want to talk about your cancer program um, because I want to want people to know. Um, well, basically, I want who does it help um, and why does it work. Um, because I wanted to get it out there because if people are listening, uh, you can go onto www.terrytillard.com and he actually has his cancer program up to people to buy. You can go in there have, and buy it. But I just want you to, from, from the horse's mouth, why does it work? What principles does it follow and who can it help? Well, you know, and, and you reminded me that I went off on a tangent earlier and I forgot to finish my story. <laughs> that uh, historical track records of, of previous cancer programs is what I originally started studying and my cancer program is not about me inventing all kinds of fancy stuff. I, I, it's about standing on the shoulders of giants that have been around for decades and decades and decades discovering what does work. And first and foremost, I believe that I'm a, you know, I believe in the true traditional naturopathy principles. And, you know, that that is not skipping any of the fundamentals. I don't believe in magic pills or magic supplements. What supplements can do strategically is compress time frames. What supplements can do strategically is, is support the body in, in different ways. You can use substances that heal the liver faster than fruits and vegetables for, a, a, as an example. Mm -hmm. And so, 
you know, what my cancer program is based on is first educating people on all of those fundamentals. And I think that's the most important part. Uh, it's ridiculous. Our society's come to the idea that they think they can go in a social media blog and read a three-liner post from somebody that you could write, I have stage four pancreatic cancer, and someone responds, uh, cannabis, turmeric, and, and, and uh, Gerson. And they think that's all that they need to do. It's 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 it mind boggling. People will not change their own oil. They would never try and fix their own lawnmower. And then they got a death sentence and they say, you know what? I, I got this. I read three lines in a blog somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that's obscene. That's obscene. It's insanity to me. Uh, and my cancer program really is that, you know, I've read probably 100,000, you know, uh, uh, scientific journals on various plant-based substances. So I really know what does help and help people narrow in on, you know, what to do, what not to do, how to test and measure healthfully and how to measure health instead of measuring disease, how not to poison yourself, you know, a lot of the what not to do's, which are often as valuable of a lesson as the what to do's. Uh, and I give them, you know, a lot of accurate distinctions on diet. I talk to them about the supplements that actually work so they're not wasting their time. And more importantly, how to potentiate supplements. So there's synergy in nature, just like there's synergy in teamwork in, in, in any regular real life setting. And there are certain supplements that have been proven to make others significantly more powerful. So how do we layer a lot of different things to get leverage on that? How do we find out the cancer programs that had 50% historical track record? and take the best parts of it and combine with what science has now taught us in 2017. How do we take historical track record cancer programs that had 90% success rates, take the best of what they had also, uh, contrast that against different filters of what we find in nature and what we find in the medical literature, uh, the stuff that actually works. And so, you know, I didn't invent it all. It's not like I've got some monopoly on cornering things. I think that my program is the most thorough and comprehensive that anyone's going to find. It's the most economical that anyone's going to find in a pre-recorded format, um, which is step one, is how people can, uh, you know, can get expert advice for a fraction of the price of paying somebody one-on-one, and then we can get that adequate conversation in there and, you know, going to clinics costs an absolute fortune, and then people still get stuck coming home and having to heal because you can't go to a clinic and just inject yourself, inject your way into health in a few weeks. It's just, unfortunately, not how health works, <laughs> So as we've been talking about all day long. So, so really, that, that's what I do. I focus on education, and I focus on uh, the research and standing on the shoulders of giants from many different programs in history and contrast that with filters of nature, filters of of what the research really says and how do we potentiate things instead of just uh, winging it? How do we take a strategic approach and systematically deal with the multifactorial root causes for why the dis-ease was there in the first place? Because the only path to long-term healing is to systematically address the multifactorial reasons for why it was there in the first place. Otherwise, it doesn't matter if you get rid of the lump or bump. Uh, whether you do it with nature or with chemistry, it's going to come back mm-hmm. because the root causes were not addressed, and that's what I really focus most of my energy and efforts on. So hopefully that's, uh, that gives people a little bit of an overview of what we're teaching in there. So Yeah, 100%. And it's people people just understand, even some of the people in natural health don't understand, it's not just diet. And you're looking at what you're cooking your food in, what water you're drinking, the air you're surrounded in, what stuff you're putting in your skin, on your hair. I mean, it goes deep, right? There's, there's, multi, there's multiple factors in this, and it's not just 
the food you're eating. Although that is a hundreds. big part. Yeah, hundreds. Yeah, hundreds. As you hundreds, hundreds, of distinct, hundreds and hundreds of distinctions. If anyone thinks diet is all there is to it, mm-hmm. someone with stage four lung or pancreatic cancer, I don't care if they have the most perfect saintly diet you could ever imagine. Uh, their odds of making it are very, very, very slim with diet alone. Um, and there are so many other options. You know, my question to you, Ryan, and any of the listeners is if you were dying and there were hundreds of things you could be doing or needed to know about, why would you only gamble, mm-hmm. which is what it is, it's gambling, with doing three or five when there's 105? I know I would never tell my mother she got cancer, even if I didn't know what I know. Hey, just get on Google and wing it. <laughs> I yeah. would never give her that advice. Why are humans doing it? I don't get it. It's just one. Of the, yeah, I, was, I actually did a post on this a few about a week ago, I think. Uh, it was like, why'd you go into your mechanic? You don't just sit there and start taking parts out of your out of your car yourself, do you? You go to someone who's a, who's a professional and they do the job because you'll either do it yourself, muck it completely up, or it'll take you ten times longer. Um, and so as you, you put them on your videos as well. It's like you gave yourself cancer. So how are you going to know how to get rid of it? Do you know, it's one. Of, it's one of those. Yeah, right. It's true. You said like, I'm not going to be harsh, but you given yourself cancer. It's not. People think it's bad luck, and um, it's one of the topics we can top, probably touch on another time. It's like genetics and epigenetics. People say, well, I'm going to get my breast cut off because my I've got a historic um, history of uh, breast cancer in my family. It's like, yeah, but do you know about epigenetics? Like, no, what's that? It's like, well. We're talking about how environmental factors, lifestyle factors, if you live a certain way, you're not going to express those genes. I mean, and people, you see women all over the world getting their breasts cut off, having hysterectomies. Uh, I know it's just a nightmare. Um, so your program, is it, I mean, someone who's got stage four pancreatic cancer or someone who's got um, uh, leukemia or someone's got uh, lymphoma, for example, can, uh, is it is it for everyone? Can everyone participate in it or... Would certain people need to see different different uh, programs? Everybody can participate. It will help every single person who got the diagnosis. There's there's zero doubts about that because the health fundamentals of this world just never ever ever change. So from a and brain I've, tumor to a, to a liver cancer, it, it's it's all. Right. And what, what, what does change? See, most people think that where the cancer is or what label a doctor's giving it, given it is, is what's important. The cancers have thousands of things in similar versus so few in difference. And what I talk about in my program is, as I say, okay, if you've had, you know, these specific cancers, which do have some different characteristics, if you've already been through chemo, radiation, and surgery, if you have these, uh, you know, few extreme cancers, we should have a consult post-program definitely to discuss some of those nuances and distinctions that would, you know, would definitely apply to you. So take brain cancer, for example, um, you know, or any of the cancers. One of the misconceptions of our society is that, you know, nature can't remove cancer cells or the immune system can't kill these cancer cells. And of course, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, you can kill cancer cells too fast and put the Mm -hmm. person in trouble. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can kill the cancer cells in a way that happens so quickly that the tumor temporarily inflames before it it contracts. And so in the cases of breast cancer, you know, I, I talk about the program. One of the things we need to be very concerned about is inflammation. We need to be very uh, prudent about making sure we don't swell any brain tumors before they shrink. So, so the program gives everyone those fundamentals. And then there's, you know, there's post-program uh, consults and stuff to, d- to discuss those distinctions. The truth is 80 to 90% of the people who choose to, uh, to work with me and, and implement that program, because I 
equip them with how to test and measure and they send me those tests and we can, you know, we have a feedback loop with those things don't tend to need much beyond that. But there are special situations where they, they, they definitely do. And so we, we, we handle those things, uh, you know, on a case by case uh, situation. Okay. And, um, Two two questions about it. Does, does your program cover cover um, parasites and how they can affect cancers? Yeah, we definitely discuss that. Yeah. Uh, discuss ways to get rid of it and and handle it as one of those potential causative factors. You know, like mm-hmm. I I don't want to leave any potential stone unturned. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that we're being as thorough and comprehensive as possible to make sure that any root cause does not go under our radar as much as is humanly possible to figure out how did you get to this place to begin with. Okay. And uh, how long is your program, or is it how long is it stream? It's um it's about sixteen and a half hours and uh, and I'm adding a few short you know uh, kind of summary video modules that go at the end of of some of the existing modules so it's about seventeen hours I call it the 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 naturopathy course in a box if you will um so okay. I mean I just think it's necessary for people to understand their health at that level to heal properly so for people to go through it it would take them how many weeks do do you say. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's just a function of math. Anyone could, in theory, go through the entire thing in a weekend, and I have seen people do that. Uh, and some people stretch it out over many weeks. And the truth is, most people listen to it two or three times because mm-hmm. uh, that's necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the stuff is way over their head. Not that it's intended to be that way. For just the sheer fact of anyone's capacity to memorize seventeen hours is, is near impossible. So yeah. people listen to it more than once, and it's just a function of how how committed they are. Um, to getting through it, yeah, hundred percent. And just this last thing I want to touch on: um, would I be right in saying you're you're pro vegan diet? Uh, well, I'm, I'm absolutely pro vegan diet, but you know, I, I want people to understand that I'm a, a plant based eating advocate for health reasons first. Unlike almost a hundred percent of vegans out there doing it for moral and ethical reasons, as an animal lover, I absolutely see, appreciate, and understand those things. I also teach people, you know. Unless you're really sick, you can get away with a few missteps here and there. It doesn't, but just because you like something or you're willing to tolerate something or you have some flexibility in your, you know, uh, some people call it a flexitarian or whatever you want to call it, whatever label you want to put on it, the research data shows that a plant based diet wins. There's no, the, 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 the primates, for which we have an identical digestive anatomy uh, to compare to, uh, did not are not the ones who read the wrong textbooks. They're not the ones who've been subject to to advertising and programming, and they're they're not at the whims like humans are. We are designed to eat a certain set of foods, just like every other species on the planet. And the the better we adhere to it, and science does confirm when we adhere to it, we get better. So yeah, absolutely, I'm a I'm a pro-vegan proponent, and if those who want to do 95%, then do 95%, and just be intellectually honest enough to state that you're, you're going to be a little bit flexible because that makes your life a little more practical versus saying, no, I like it, therefore it's good for me, Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's nothing intellectually honest about that. Okay. I just want to put up a couple of couple of things to play devil's advocate here because I just want re- listeners to you know, hear different, a lot of different people talk about a lot of different ways to, to, do, to do something. There's obviously people... <sighs> Buy it, well, not buying it, but people have their um, their clinics, and they and they work in their own way. So, for example, you, do you know? Or have you heard of Dr. Nick Gonzalez? Absolutely, absolutely. So, and and you may have heard of his story with Dr. Kelly, who 
was treating people. He was a dentist. He was treating people with cancer, etc. And he always put them on a on a on a raw plant based diet. And he and he used to get phenomenal results with everyone, or well, most people that hadn't been completely damaged. And then he had this one woman who put her on put her on a raw plant based diet, and her tumor just wouldn't go away, and she wouldn't get any better. And the only thing he hadn't tried was putting her on meat and fats so that's what he did he changed it he changed her diet around and he put her on meats and, and organic meats obviously and fats and her tumor after a while disappeared um and it's a story of her, also her from people uh, another someone um health coach out there paul check you probably heard of paul check yep recommends um people who have gone on vegan diets so that have cured their cancer, uh, or cured cancer or help their body heal. And then four or five years later, that cancer has come back. And he states it's because the same thing that, that got, got rid of their cancer then gave them it because their body was then deficient in other minerals and nutrients that plants alone can't give them. And they don't have to have lots of meat. He even says that most people eat far too much. He even says maybe being vegan for 90% of the time is best. Um, would you say that people are different? Everyone's different. We're as different on the inside as we are on the outside. And that for some people, uh, vegan may not work. Um, but ugh, although it's powerful for the majority of people, others have to find their own, their own path and what works for them. Well, I have to, I have to stick to being a scientist in this case. And the scientific data says the exact opposite. I mean, if you want to talk about a vegan diet in relation to cancer specifically, there was a, a large study done showing that people who had vegan blood and they compared vegetarians, they compared people who were lacto-ovo, pescatarian, people who made slight modifications, people only had small percentages in their diet. They looked at lots of these different things. There have been many studies, not just a study. Um, what they found was people who had a vegan diet their blood was eight times more cancer-killing power than those who consumed even the tiniest amount of animal flesh of any source. So, so you know, humans tend to find things that work and then stick with it. People don't fix things, don't don't break things that aren't broken. Uh, you know, when I listened to a lot of uh, Gonzalez interviews, they had a series of different diets, but there was no real scientific basis. I've heard Gonzalez admit point blank. Uh, you know, they, he did it because other people did it historically, and there wasn't any real good scientific data for why they were making those choices. Uh, what we find in nature is that uh, we have uh, people like to think that we're all so different. We're different insofar as where our health is currently, today, right now. Uh, you know, yes, deficiencies are huge. Deficiencies can absolutely be created on a vegan diet. You can eat a junk food vegan diet. You can eat a garbage vegan diet. You can do something really well for six months while you're sick and disciplined and then change your lifestyle five years later and guaranteed if you, you can recreate the problems you created years in the past, even if you remained a vegan. For example, being a vegan doesn't by any shape way, or form in and of itself guarantee that you're healthy. However, from a cancer perspective, the vegan blood was eight times more anti-cancer. So that's hard to argue with. Uh, furthermore, uh, two other things that I talk about uh, in terms of distinctions, because I think everything's about distinctions rather than generalizations. Humans produce an enzyme called pytalin. Uh, only, only people who are frugivorous by design produce pytalin. There's never been a human in the history of the planet that does not produce pytalin. Uricase is the enzyme that digests animal flesh. Every 
carnivore and a true omnivore produces uricase. There's never been a human tested in the history of the planet that produces uricase. My standard always to, to Paul Check, Nick Gonzalez, and those are and that's not an attack on them. It's just fill in the blank. I'm using them as metaphors for all the other proponents for other forms of eating and living uh, to produce that evidence because I have criteria where, where I will change. Some people want to accuse those who are uh, insist on being objective and factual of being rigid. I, I, I would absolutely change my position if you could so, show me someone who has got a digestive anatomy that produces a different set of enzymes and a different set of stomach acids and has different lengths of stomach relative to their bodies and so on and so forth. If someone could show me that that evidence, I would absolutely change my position that some people should eat X and some people should eat Y. But that's never happened, and it's never going to happen. So that that would be huge. And two more distinctions to share with the audience would be this. Um, uh, cancer is very, 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 very dependent. Research shows this, uh, I believe, conclusively, uh, that uh, cancer is extremely dependent on two specific amino acids. And uh, guess where they're found? They're found in really high percentages in animal flesh uh, of but just about all forms, and they're almost non-existent in plant-based forms. Uh, if if cancer has an absolute methionine dependency, for example, uh, how can it be that somebody eating a high methionine diet is going to thrive when the scientific data shows that cancer is meth absolutely methionine dependent? Uh, and I could say the same thing, you know, with, with glutamine and all these other things. So we we could go on of layers and layers of this conversation, where just because somebody did it doesn't make it right. Just because uh, culturally we consume more animal flesh than the damn mountain lions do doesn't make it right. Doesn't mean that therefore that's what the species was designed to thrive on. Uh, nature, God. It doesn't matter what you want to believe in. They're moot points. When I analyze somebody, mouth to anus, digestive anatomy, we are identical for every single form of, uh, and function. We, uh, for all practical purposes, we're identical. Uh, cows have more blood types than humans. They all eat a species-appropriate diet. And I could say the same for many other species. They have different blood types, different subspecies, different variations externally, just as do humans. But from a digestive anatomy standpoint, from a practical standpoint, from a what actually happens in nature standpoint, they all consume a species-appropriate diet. And humans would be very wise to get rid of cultural uh, justifications for wanting something to be true that simply is not. Um, and I think that it's so important to be objective first and then just decide what you'll live with after and stop all the bullshit of making up stories about why something is should be true or could be true or might be true for me but not for you because I want it to be so. I, I like I, – I think bacon and cheese and eggs and all this stuff have just as much – I, you know, I used to enjoy those flavors just as much as anybody else, but it doesn't leave me being an objective, logically consistent, intellectually honest person to state, therefore, it's good for me. I think wine, uh, you know, fine wines are delicious. That doesn't make me intellectually honest by stating, therefore, it's good for me.
Yeah, okay, 100%. I, only one thing I'd say, I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I just want people, I know people will ask different questions. If someone was eating in that way and they were having a bit of meat, not going over the top because I 100% do agree, most people, I mean, they're eating meat like it's going out of fashion and, and most of it is not even high quality. It's, it, especially in your country, I mean, you've got a right epidemic of terrible farming practices. Um, as you talked about earlier, it's not just about the meat, it goes on about the energy that's inside the meat, the animal's been treated terribly been fed terribly i mean some of them can get away with they can't even they can't feed us this food because it's illegal but they can feed cattle these foods things like sawdust petroleum pellets etc rendered food people don't want to know what rendered food is but (laughs) but if um if if someone's eating a little bit of meat and they were vegan before i don't know if you heard of leah keith have you heard of leah keith uh, no, I'm not familiar, no. sorry. Um, she's got a book out there called Vegetarian Myth. And she was saying that she was vegan for 10 years and then she started to lose her hair. She started to feel terrible, uh, teeth. Um, she was getting, uh, she couldn't sleep, etc. And then she had a little bit of meat in and all of a sudden she felt phenomenal. Um, if people are feeling that way, um, and this is not me just trying to be a, a nightmare for you here, um, would you say... I know because someone said we would love to see the science and the science, in my opinion, a lot of the time is the magic. People don't want, oh, what's the science and what's this book say? What would, what about if their bodies turned on one thing? Would you say, okay, if you're feeling a lot better on, on a little bit, um, and it's making you, you've gone from being tired and not being able to sleep and your testosterone being low and not having an energy and you've had it added a little bit and you feel a lot better. Okay, go for it. Or would you just say, no, I want you to cut me out completely? I mean, I, I I think that there is a lot to be said for living a practical life, and I'm not opposed to some of life's practicalities. If it makes you feel better and you really want to do it, I mean, by all means, knock yourself out. We're all going to end up in a restaurant at some point in time and order some things that are uh, outside of our standards, outside of our comfort zones, because that's life's practicalities. Uh, but – uh, what I would say is most people who are vegan are doing it so wildly wrong. It's it's ridiculous how wrong they're doing it. Most people are on the nut and seed diet, for example, as one example. Many of them are on junk food, processed foods, eating all these meat substitutes full of uh, GMO soy and wheat and all that stuff. You're going to get sick. And anybody on any diet can create deficiencies. And, and the meat eaters love to use B12 as an example, except that there is not a single deficiency that is exclusive to the plant-based eating diet. So there's lots of meat eaters who also have B12 deficiencies. So by yeah. no means eating like a mountain lion did that protect them from said deficiency. So if you develop a deficiency in a vegan diet, it doesn't necessarily mean that the vegan diet was wrong. Maybe you just did it wrong. Maybe if you corrected the real underlying deficiencies, you'd find out that uh, it wasn't in adding something into your diet that makes you feel better. I mean, the same can be said for Atkins and Paleo and all these things. What gets excluded from the diet is often as powerful as what's included. Mm -hmm. So you can eat a vegan diet and exclude some of the foods that you absolutely need. I mean, there's there's an epidemic of fear-based programming around fruit, for example, which is so obscene. But go ahead, be a vegan and eat no fruit for a long period of time, and I can assure you, you will have no energy, you will have deficiencies, and you will have some very serious, very real health problems. So, you know, 
the slippery slope of human psychology leads us down these weird rabbit holes yeah. <laughs> that uh, somehow we arrive at these conclusions that aren't logically consistent. It's like, you know, there's a lot of different examples we come up with where if X is true and Y is true, therefore Z must be true. But there's a breakdown in the logic in there somewhere. Um, but but by all means, live a practical life. If it makes you feel better, go for it. Just uh, Remain intellectually honest, so those who are uh, who are you know keen or insistent on objectivity can keep their sanity <laughs> when they're around you. <laughs> I think you touched on uh, yeah. Um, I think you touched on some good good things there that the around fruit as well. The the keto, the ketogenic diet, keto keto vegan would be next. Um, it'll be yeah. So I yeah I hundred percent agree, and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people who, who gone about paleo etc. and they look terrible, and there's other people going about vegan and they look terrible. But then there's another flip side. There's people on paleo who look good, and there's people on vegan who look good. If you're if you're doing things right as a vegan, I think majority of the time you're going to look pretty good. Um, because but there's certain things I think that the healthiest people on the planet, like when I talk to most people on here, they're, they're generally they're very healthy people because they live a pretty much a holistic lifestyle and their, their food comes from quality sources. Um, they're taking things like liver cleansers on a daily basis. Basis they're having probiotics or fermented foods. Um, they're taking things like, I don't know, f- uh, for example, MSM for skin and their detoxification and vitamin C and they're going for infrared saunas and they're doing all these things that they're going to make them increase their health. Whereas a lot of people will just jump on the bandwagon for something and they cut out meat. But as you said, they're still having Mars bars. Doesn't have meat. It's still, it's still <laughs> having donuts. It doesn't have meat. And that's, that's, that's the point. I think there's a lot of common ground. A lot of the healthiest people in the world, I'd say, um, they, they they share a lot of common ground, um, which I, I think you'd probably agree with. Oh, there's there's no debate about it when you really look at the real longevity societies. There's there's clear emerging patterns there to be found for anyone who really wants to see them. Um, but if you want to go and find evidence for whatever it is you want to be true, instead of being objective and uh, t- cutting all emotional ties, <laughs> uh, then 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 you you can find some evidence for what, what, it. Like I mean, a the, pharmaceutical are, company does. Right. Oh, right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That you can improve your health with poison somehow yeah. is uh, is the most absurd thing ever. But yet we've got you know billions of people who buy into that idea. So you want to go find, you know, you can find what you want to be true, or you could be objective first and then and uh, with no emotional attachment to it, and then decide what is, and then decide after that what you'll decide to live with. Like I, I don't live perfectly. I just very insistent on being objective as an educator. Because I think it's really important, and and I don't want to be unobjective and and hurt my own family or hurt my own health. If I d- decide to consume something that's not good for me, I did it at least with with good conscience, and I'm just I'm I'm okay with it. I've accepted it instead of inventing all this childish bullshit of lying to ourselves all the time, which our society is so addicted to. And I think that's just my, one of my biggest messages, and that I wish people would. Be unemotional. Look for the truth, and you'll you'll find it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the primates didn't read the wrong textbook. I don't. There's no other way to to say that. Um, yeah, 100. percent And I think as well, you know, when you're going through an illness, when you've had gone through, when you're going through an illness, or you're getting through a health crisis. There's a certain way of living that you probably have to do for a while, and then when you come out of that, you're going, you you got to enjoy your human experience, right? You got to live. But if you're doing if you're doing the things right after you come out of that, ninety ninety five percent of the time, the five percent is not going to matter a huge deal, um, because your body's so phenomenal at healing um it's when you're doing things wrong all the time um but if you're going through a, a program like uh like your cancer program for example you've got to do things right for for a, for a fair while to get yourself 
in a place of not being ill anymore. Um, but once you've come out of that and you're on the other side, yeah, you can enjoy life. You just got to know that your constitution wasn't as strong as what it probably once was, and you've got to give your immune system as much help as as it as it can get. So that, that would just be my my thing. I mean. Guys, I mean, we kept you on for so long here, Terry. I'm sorry, we could just talk for hours, man. You're on this, but it's been really good talking to you. I want everyone to know out there, go over to www.terrytiller.com um, and also forward slash programs. He's got different programs for, um, like he's got his CAS program we've talked about today. He's also got an extreme pain resolution program, a rapid immunity program and a weight loss program. And I'm sure I'll be getting him back on to talk about some of those because especially the extreme pro- pain loss, um, pain resolution um and well the rapid immunity program and cancer program i think they might have a few similarities in them would i be right oh yeah they all they all have similarities absolutely because the fundamentals don't change and uh yeah it's it's a novel idea for people that didn't get out of pain without drugs i don't know why but our society hasn't accepted that and uh but yeah no i i really appreciate you having me on and the the last thing i'd leave people with is that i you know there's uh social media is a great place to interact Mm -hmm. it's uh you know i post a lot of content on there it's and and i like i like hearing people i like getting to know new people and meeting new people and uh, i appreciate that interaction so find me on uh, on facebook especially and uh love to connect with you on there no awesome thanks very much terry uh hopefully we're getting you on soon um but yeah thanks and i'm sure everyone uh has got so much out of this um it's been a real pleasure talking to you and i hope you have a good day same to you ryan i really appreciate you having me on here and uh, i look forward to chatting again sometime in the future have a fantastic day everyone awesome cheers take take care well guys there we have it what an interview that was with terry tillard um as i said before you can find terry at www terrytillard.com and he's got programs there for cancer for weight loss for pain uh, reduction and lots of um, other ailments and I'm sure that's just opened up a I mean if those of you guys that are quite into health you might have known a few of these things already but those of you that are not it probably opened your even if you did it probably opened your eyes even wider to someone who's been helping people with cancer for a long time and probably uh, dive deep into different aspects of health and detoxification as well as going into a little bit about the vegan diet and veganism and all things that you can do to help stop your body getting ill getting diseased um getting at dis-ease or is your body at dis-ease and how you can strengthen your immune system and lots of different things so i'm 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 just sure that episode has really opened your eyes if not ripped your eyes open to what cancer is and how it's not bad luck and how it is that your immune system is crying out for help so guys that was a brilliant episode if i don't say so myself i really enjoyed interviewing terry and we're getting back on i'm sure at a later date um if you want to say before if if you've got any questions health-wise you need any help um, with your health and you are suffering there's lots of articles over at www.reviveyourself.co and if you want to reach out to me you'd like any help with your diet or any gut issues or any sort of skin issues you've got etc other health issues then head on over to the same site www.reviveyourself.co forward slash contact send me a message and i'll get to you as soon as i can otherwise guys next week's interview or next episode is with dr jessica petros who was a medical doctor until she went through her own health issues and now she practices holistically and that's going to be a great listen for everyone out there okay guys so as always i'll see you next week or i'll see you in the next episode i should say stay happy stay healthy and i'll speak to you soon 
If you're struggling with gut issues, such as gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects, then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of The Healing Health Paradigm today. 